1: When Danny Elfman graduated from high school in 1971, he took off on a global trek, including a year traveling around Africa. Elfman later reflected on the trip, saying, It was incredible, but definitely wasn't safe. I needed to shake up my life, and there couldn't have been a greater shakeup coming out of middle-class suburbia in the 50s than West Africa. Just 18 years old, he often disguised himself as either a Protestant or Catholic religious student in order to get free meals from missionaries in the countries he visited. This is particularly funny, given that Elfman is Jewish. Elfman was drawn to Bamako, the capital city of Mali, where he lived for close to a year, exploring and absorbing the wonders inside its walls. But his time there, he said, I would listen to music all night long from different compounds all around the city. Truly an amazing place, with many different cultures and tribes, different languages even. It's what I would call a deep culture that dates all the way back to Timbuktu. There was one moment when they were a great civilization on the planet, one of the big ones. When people have that in their past, it does something. It's a magical place. Molly left a lasting impression on Elfman, and it was there he was introduced to High Life, a popular style of African music. He said, my love of percussion and rhythm started there. All my thoughts about music, rhythmic things and how they move around the planet started there. Highlife is a 20th century African fusion of several different musical idioms that combine European harmony and brass instruments, mostly from British military bands, with 4-4 timing. This is then combined with polyrhythmic African traditional music played on percussion. It became influential as dance music in Ghana and Nigeria in the 1920s. And so it should come as no surprise that High Life music and African cultural artifacts later became the model for the earliest lineup of Elfman's band, Boingo Boingo, and led to his long-standing love of brass and percussion in the band's sound and style. Hi, I'm Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Punky Reggae Party, a special audio documentary series of the Skaboom podcast, that focuses on the historical origins and impact of ska and reggae on popular music that will explore the phenomena of punk and post-punk bands adopting the sounds of reggae and vice versa. Ska Boom is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, which is the MTV of podcasting, featuring a wide range of music shows focused on history, interviews, commentary, news, careers, industry, reviews, conversations, books, films, comedy, and more. Elfman suffered three bouts of malaria and a bout of hepatitis during his time in West Africa, which forced him to return home to Los Angeles, where he joined his brother Richard's experimental cabaret act, the Mystic Nights of the Oingo Boingo. The Mystic Nights performed in whiteface and clown makeup, and a typical show contained music ranging from the 1890s to the 1950s, in addition to original material. This version of the band employed as many as 15 musicians at any given time, playing over 30 instruments, including some instruments built by band members. They gained a following in Los Angeles and appeared as contestants on The Gong Show in 1976, winning the episode they appeared on with 24 points out of a possible 30. Here is a bit of audio from that appearance, and I urge you to find the clip on YouTube. It's pretty amazing. To open our show, we bring you an act who at first may shock you. But once you get to know them, they'll just boggle your mind. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo!
2: We will now play the rarely performed Heiden Trio for piano, accordion, and triangle. Thank you.
1: In 1978, the Mystic Knights disbanded and Elfman reformed the band with several musicians from the group under the name Boingo Boingo. Interestingly, the musical development which reignited Elfman's interest in starting a more traditional band and inspired him to start writing his first conventional pop songs was the emergence of British two-tone ska, whose music reminded him of the high life he had heard in West Africa. As he said in an interview, hearing the ska that came out of England around 1978 is what turned me around. High Life was a little more Latin than Ska, but really up-tempo. It was hearing the specials, Selector and Madness, and then XTC, who really clicked for me. At the time of Oingo Boingo's formation, the LA music scene was dominated by punk, and Elfman's interest in brass and percussion resulted in a frenzied and unconventional take on combining New Wave and Ska. Elfman admitted to falling in love with two-tone Ska from England as soon as he heard it, saying in an interview, I didn't listen to any punk in the 70s. I lived in 1938 in my mind. In the 70s, I didn't listen to any contemporary music. I mean, 1933 Harlem. That's where my brain lived. I turned on the radio one day and I heard the specials. I was like, wow, what is this? Then I found madness. And it brought me right back to these bands I used to listen to when I spent a year when I was 18 in West Africa. I heard a lot of music that they called high life which was similar in its configuration to ska bands and the same as Oingo Boingo. Not a coincidence that my band was modeled right after that ensemble. There was also a band called A Selector and perhaps a band XTC. When I heard ska, it was like high-charged high life. It immediately appealed to me. That same year I heard the music, I said, that's it, I want to start a ska band. So the origins of Oingo Boingo were just that. I was just wanting to be in a ska band out of the blue. Like High Life, Two-Tone Ska was the hybrid of indigenous Jamaican Ska with British punk, and like High Life was the combination of up-tempo rhythms and brass. The lyrics of Two-Tone Ska are more narrative-based and observational rather than emotionally descriptive and touch on overt social and political awareness. I think the notable difference between Two-Tone and Oingo Boingo was that while the Two-Tone bands were singing about socio-political situations and issues in the UK, Elfman was interested in exploring the seedy and sometimes dangerous underbelly of American life, with songs populated by petty criminals, sociopaths, and creeps. To that end, give a listen to Make It Right, recorded by the Mystic Knights in 1979, just before they transitioned. It's a satirical song about the ways young men can end up on a dark path. It also highlights the African high-life influence that Oingo Boingo would later explore. Once they became Oingo Boingo, the band recorded a lot of ska songs between 1979 and 1981. Unfortunately, most of their ska output was thwarted by record executives who saw their post-punk, new wave output as more viable and marketable. Sadly, this meant much of the band's ska material, about eight or so ska-specific tracks, recorded for the only Lad album sessions, was never released. This is a shame, because so much of the ska material is unbelievably good, and heard back now 40 years later, sounds timeless. It was a missed opportunity for Oingo Boingo to truly have been one of the first and earliest American ska bands. Elfman later shared in an interview with Under the Radar in 2021 that his first impulse was that he wanted to be in a ska band, saying, but as we were playing the first couple of years, we did ska, but we weren't a ska band. What were we? I have no idea. Other than I was out, essentially to aggravate everybody all the time, you know? The idea of provoking the audience and listeners became a key fixture of Oingo Boingo's musical approach. Give this demo recording of the song "Imposter," which is Elfman's response to a music critic who gave the band a bad review. self-titled 10-inch EP, recorded and released in 1980, concurrent with Two-Tone, which was in full bloom, sounds like a distillation of what Elfman was hearing on the radio in 1979. The four-song EP featured the musical DNA that would be the basis for future Oingo Bongo recordings. It also features a compelling ska cover of the big three trios Violent Love, originally recorded in 1951 and written by noted blues musician Willie Dixon. What I think is really interesting to note here is that while the two-tone bands look to Jamaican ska for inspiration, Elfman initially was looking to 50s R&B and blues to develop his unique vision of ska. Here's a side-by-side comparison of the original with the cover, which provides a great sense of how original the cover version is.
0: into a panic You almost drive me wild I
1: While the song title hints at an uncomfortable aggressiveness on the part of the song narrator, below the surface really is a sweeter take on the passion the narrator feels for his beloved. The song also lent itself to the theatrics that Elfman had developed with the Mystic Knights. When Oingo Boingo would perform Violent Love live, Elfman would invite a female audience member on stage while he would sing the song to her directly. In other, wilder variations, Elfman would theatrically run backstage with a boy or girl during the saxophone solo. Returning a few beats later, with both looking disheveled, hurriedly rezipping his fly. As I listen back to Oingo Boingo's earliest ska influenced material, it's clear that they deserve a lot more credit than they get for helping to create what we now call ska punk. They paired fast, punky guitars playing upbeats with big horns. Give Something Isn't Right, a straight up ska punk track from 1984 that was included on the soundtrack for Bachelor Party. That sounds like a lot of current ska punk, right? It would seem that Oingo Boingo are forgotten in the ska realm, while Fishbone, who took a similar trajectory, starting with ska and ending somewhere totally different, are lauded as L.A. ska pioneers. Ironically, by the time that ska punk was on the horizon in 1994, Oingo Boingo had dropped both the horn section and the first half of their name for their final studio album. In closing, give a listen to one of the band's most ska songs, Louise, from their unreleased 1981 demo. It features Elfman singing in both fluent French and English about a mademoiselle who has made quite an impression on him. hope you've enjoyed this episode of Punky Reggae Party. I want to thank my co-producer and engineer, Rob George, for making me sound good. My book, Skaboom, is available from DeWolf Publishing at DeWolf.com. That's D-I-W-U-L-F.com, as well as on Amazon. Thanks for listening and take care.